Get to Old Navy now because this week only there's a new red hot deal every single day. Plus up to 50% off store wide. That's up to 50% off your favorite Old Navy styles. Also get $10 off your next purchase when you buy online and pick up in store. So hurry in and get today's wow worthy fashion pieces at a price you won't believe. Only at Old Navy. Valid 712 to 19. Select styles only. $10 off valid in store only. One time use. Excludes clearance, gift card, register lane items, jewelry. Hey ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Think It Ain't Illegal Yet. I'm your host, St. Clinton. On this show, we'll be playing some poetry, spoken words. And other things about political and social issues going on around the world, both past, present, and future, which will hopefully make you think. people of immense wealth as somehow leaders, oracles even. A kind of cultural deification of wealth and those who have wealth. We need to shatter this self-delusion that somehow if, as Obama says, we work hard enough and study hard enough, we can be one of them. is the people who created the economic mess that we're in were the best educated people in the country. The issue is not education, the issue is greed. If you're wealthy, you go to Yale and you go to Harvard Business School and you're AWOL from uh, your National Guard unit and you're a cokehead and it doesn't really matter. You don't even really have a job till you're 40 and you become President of the United States. How those small, tight, elite, oligarchic circles perpetuated themselves promoted mediocrity because many of these people like Bush are very mediocre human beings. And how with money they gain the system. Now we live in an oligarchic state where we've been rendered utterly powerless. the legislative, the executive branches, all subservient to an oligarchic corporate elite. And the press is owned by an oligarchic corporate elite, which makes sure that any critique of them is never broadcast over the airwaves. When you have that much money, then human beings become disposable. There is a very callous indifference. They're utterly cut off. I mean, the only people they ever meet who are members of the working class are people who work for them. They live in self-encased bubbles. They have no real contact with reality. I mean, they don't even fly on commercial airlines. and yet they have absolute power. Because they're so out of touch and they are able to retreat into their enclaves, they will extract more and more and more. Half of the country now lives in poverty, including the working poor. 
they will push and push and push myopically out of ignorance until something erupts, and that's exactly where we're headed. They have a very sophisticated mechanisms of public relations and well-publicized acts of philanthropy to hide their private faces. They have made sure that that ideology is taught in universities across the country. The driving ethos of that ideology is really to justify the hoarding of immense amounts of wealth by a very tiny percentage of the upper ruling class. Those economists whose voices are heard, who get tenure, serve the system. And those who don't serve the system don't have a job. We live in a society where corporations at will loot the U.S. Treasury and the Federal Reserve and are bailed out by the taxpayer. Corporations have become predators. Those who offered a critique of the power elite have been banished or silenced. The airwaves are awash in lies. They very skillfully know how to humanize figures, I mean even idiots like Donald Trump. We have to begin to puncture the very effective mirages that have been created. Corporations, of course, spend billions of dollars to create these mirages. They own or control the systems of information as well as the systems of education. If you want to resist, if you want to uh, create change, you can't do it through traditional political parties, you can't do it through the courts, you can't do it through a corporatized media. You have to step outside the system and create popular mechanisms, mass movements that will begin to put pressure in a cruder way on the centers of power. That is the only hope we have left. It's all about amassing little monuments to themselves, little empires to themselves. They're just grabbing as much as they can on the way out the door. They are creating systems in terms of exploitation, not only of us, but of the ecosystem. Allowing the fossil fuel industry or these corporations to determine our relationship to the environment is a form of collective insanity at this point.
in 2008, 
United States conducting drone strikes in countries throughout the world. Or targeting American citizens who have not been charged with a crime. In what are not targeted killing operations, they are assassinations. so Orwellian because a Nobel Peace Prize winning constitutional law professor, popular Democratic president is in the White House. And is legitimizing and normalizing assassination as a central component of what is called America's national security policy. How do you surrender? How do you surrender to an authority? responding to an indictment. Who do you surrender to? How do you surrender to a drone in the sky above you? The question is, who are we? Who are we? What is our society? What message do we send to the world? portray our country as the shining city on the hill, a, a, a nation governed by the rule of law. We can't say at times that for certain citizens, for certain people, uh, we can have the mob go and get the pitchforks and the torches and round up the, the, the suspects and then deliver citizens justice to them. want to do that then stop saying that you're something else and start saying that in some cases we believe in mob violence or we believe in assassination or we believe that due process doesn't apply the society isn't judged by how you treat the popular or the powerful or, or the law-abiding citizens it's judged by how you treat the least of your people how you treat the poorest of your people and how you treat the most reprehensible of your citizens that it doesn't make a dime's worth of difference whether someone is an American or a non-American. On a moral level, it has no significance whatsoever. Everyone deserves the same human rights. How a society treats its own citizens will, will, will give you a sense of how they're going to treat non-citizens. I guarantee you, if they're asserting the right to kill Americans without charging them with a crime or presenting any evidence against them uh, in places other than anonymous officials leaking to the press, then the standards for killing non-Americans are far, far lower than that. The United States is engaged in a policy called signature strikes. Where they preemptively determine that all military-aged males killed in those areas are militants. And that their deaths are justifiable. It's, it's sort of a grotesque form of pre-crime. We don't actually have evidence that these people ever will commit a crime. Age males and oh well we've got just a congregation of terrorists here that is what is happening in parts of Yemen and parts of Pakistan 
we're going to look back a decade from now and realize that we crossed the line at, during this presidency. You have a paramilitarization of the U.S. response to so many of its policies domestically um, and around the globe. And we have a Congress that is totally complicit in this, particularly during this administration. When you don't have an indictment against you, how do you surrender to a drone? That's my actual question. concerned about what we're doing to non-Americans around the world than Americans, but at least there's a starting point here, because it's pretty hard to deny that American citizens have rights in this country, because we have a very nationalistic society. So we've got signature strikes where we're killing people whose identities we don't know, evidence against whom we may not even possess. We're using warlords and proxies in Somalia. We have continued to use the rendition program under President Obama. They may have shut down the CIA's black sites, as far as we know, in Poland and Thailand and elsewhere, but they're using other countries' black sites to hold prisoners that are rendered on orders from the United States. That's how much it's changed. It's been cleaned up, rebranded, and legitimized for a lot of liberals. legacy of this White House when it comes to foreign policy on the issue of what's called counterterrorism or national security. If you look at war spending, uh, war contractor spending on elections, you, people may assume that they just always give more to the Republicans. No, no, no. They look which way the wind is blowing. When the Democrats are going to win, they know it, and they start pouring in more money to the Democratic campaign coffers. And when the Republicans are going to win, then they tilt back in their direction. When, when, when you have members of Congress serving two-year terms, they're spending probably 75% of those terms raising fun, funding for their next elections. But if you have a big defense contractor who's going to come in and write you the fat check, you think that they don't, they're not going to expect something in return for that? There's, there is no incentive to vote against policies uh, that, that, that make the toys being made for the war machine all the more profitable. Drone production is increasing. Each of those cruise missiles are a couple million bucks. You have special operations forces expanding around the world. Obama has kept mercenaries on the U.S. payroll, continues to work with Blackwater's latest iteration. The, the campaign process in this country is infected by the cancer of huge corporate influence. We only have one party, really, in this country when it comes to foreign policy. Obama was supposed to be the man who cleaned it all up and hit the reset button with the world. I think our, our image around the world is actually, and it's shocking to say this because of how bad and awful Bush and Cheney were, has been degraded even further. Because I think a message has been sent that it actually doesn't matter who the Americans elect. Nothing's going to fundamentally change. Nothing's going to fundamentally change. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is Zane Clinton. I just wanted to drop in real quick and say thank you for listening to this show. Whether you listen through iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Plus, Player FM, or any other way, I just want to say thank you. Yeah.
seems to be a big hot cross bun. All of the pillars of the liberal establishment have collapsed. The, the liberal church, in the face of the rise of the Christian right, a movement essentially by the definition of basic Christianity, a heretical movement, a movement that acculturated the worst aspects of American nationalism, chauvinism, imperialism, and capitalism into the Christian religion, as if Jesus came to make us wealthy, as if Jesus would bless the dropping of iron fragmentation bombs all over the Middle East, as if the, the miracles of the gospel were ones that were going to uh, turn us into uh, millionaires, and they said nothing. They did nothing. It wasn't just the church, it was all of the liberal institutions, but the church is a good example. All of the pillars of the liberal establishment have collapsed. And the whole language of Christianity has been hijacked. And the problem with the liberal church is that they couldn't accept that heretics exist. And they did not have it within themselves to stand up and fight this heretical movement. And what's happened as we are propelled down this road towards an oligarchic or a neo-feudal society is that we are creating a permanent underclass, a permanently enraged underclass. Part of the way, or the mechanism that it, by the wider corporate state uses to keep the lid on this is of course the prison system. 25% of the industrialized world's prisoners are in America. Most of them, of course, are people of color. And that's not accidental. The most politically astute class in terms of understanding the structures of power are African Americans because of course they've borne the brunt of that abuse uh, throughout their history. Uh, and that's why they've been so swiftly decapitated. All of the pillars of the liberal establishment have collapsed. As you pound this dispossessed working class into the ground, as their communities physically disintegrate, and you just can walk out on the street to see it here, but this is just replicated in post-industrial pockets throughout the country. You bring with it all of the attendant problems. Substance abuse, domestic abuse, depression. All of the pillars of the liberal establishment have collapsed. The real world, in essence, the world, the reality-based world, increasingly becomes unbearable. And that is what draws so many of these people into the embrace of the Christian right, which is, in essence, a, a worldview that is disconnected from reality. It's a non-reality-based vision that finds its coherence in a belief in magic and miracles. In a, a belief that God has a plan for us, that God will intervene on my behalf. That God has a destiny for me. 
can't push these people because the rage or the anger that you engender is the anger of someone who is terrified of being pushed back into that reality-based world that almost killed them. And that explains their love of apocalyptic violence. They relish the thought that all of those secular forces that almost destroyed them will one day be physically destroyed, as well as everybody who was a part of that culture. Apocalyptic violence, a belief in magic, an embrace of historical and personal destiny, a culture that communicates through image and spectacle is a totalitarian culture. All of the pillars of the liberal establishment have collapsed. All of the pillars of the liberal establishment have collapsed.
can become death. Soars of war flying high up in the sky on the license plate of your car and tattooed on your thigh. I wonder sometimes, I wonder why. When I see that stainless banner nailed so neatly to your wall, I try to feel no anger. But it's hard to feel so small And I say to myself What's wrong with us all? When I see a rebel flag painted proudly on your face I wish we all had a tail to wag Maybe then we'd be one race And I pray That old amazing grace Some say it's a sign of southern pride A symbol of our history Well, maybe so if you were on that side Fighting for that mystery Some say it's a flag of bravery But that's not what it's about There was a thing called slavery And that thing was thrown out now it's time to do the same with the flag you love so dearly You probably don't know my name so I'll just sign this song sincerely I fear it sounds like preaching when I speak I know the smell of rot of which religion reeks and it scares me. I'm just being me. In a world where difference stinks of arrogance, to have audacity of free thought in the face of artificially flavored reality is a sin. So smelly that punishment comes from within. You will implode. The people for whom you march for will eat you from the inside out. They will lynch you themselves in the name of the democratic dreams where freedom rings of lust and thirst and pain. They will justify the dust dunes of bodies that haunt nations with no faces. Where boys that look like my cousin get lost. Ground and tossed like boys in bones and meat and boots and helmets. And combat gear. And babies. And mothers who scream like dolphins who scream, who weep and laugh. And baby girls who lose good dads to mental genocides. And national anthems that will plow them deep beneath flags and calvary song. And yippee kayes while my heroes killed cowboys. But if they're white, they don't count as terrorists. Discomfort. I'm not supposed to say anything that causes discomfort. I never aim to cause any disquiet. It's just silent is not a setting that's ever worked in my favor. I've missed too many calls to action from the backs of strangers who I hope would do the same if our difference amounted to minor matters such as hue of skin, sexual organs, nation of birth, language of comfort, orientation of love. Someone's brother might kill my brother on the battlefield and I will weep. And I will mourn. Someone's brother might be killed by my brother on the battlefield. And I won't weep. And I won't mourn. 
His Thanksgiving sob stories won't tear me from reality long enough to be selfless, to think bigger than me, to dream bigger than me, to be bigger than my body, to fight for justice, for life, for forgiveness, for joy, for joy for boys who kill my brothers, for men who rape my mothers, for mothers who bludgeon my sons, for fathers who slaughter my daughters. Forgiveness and peace and love and all good things for what does the world expect of a speck of a girl with the weight of awareness awake and in love with each and all of the people that come out of its wake i love you everyone's good to someone at some point some days it feels like no one wants to hear what i've got to say i love you and every sign around reminds me of the pervasive presence of oppression. I see it everywhere we turn. We've learned the lies, internalized the message that all is fine, that all is well. As hell heats and swells at feet in shackles that they think are free. There's blood and guts in all I see, but I smile and I love. We cook, we smoke, we dance. I fear you think I've convinced myself that I am better. That my shit don't reek of stink and shame of dates with gangs and rapes and breaks of rubber trees and leaves. No sticks and stones on walls and falls of water on stoves that boil and bubble in face of cold showers. And mamas and rusted pipes on winter mornings with silent fathers and searches for self undercovers and picket signs with the claims of others stitched and stenciled across my gum line. I stumble every day and I roll and I learn. Sometimes I write poems about it. It isn't me who has forgotten where I come from. I speak from a simple soapbox no inches higher than your own. The difference is only that I love you so much that I cannot be quiet about it. There will be a reckoning. For those who thought they could get away with asset stripping our industries, crashing our economy through their greed, and ripping off workers and consumers. When did the Conservatives, Osborne, Cameron, May, Johnson, ever stand up to their financial backers and demand our money back? They never did and they never will. They make our nurses, our carers, our soldiers, our disabled, our young people trying to get a home of their own, our elderly looking for dignity in retirement, and for those working hard to get a, a foothold in some decent housing. Manning's alleged disclosures have exposed war crimes. The sparked revolutions. And induced democratic reform. He is the quintessential whistleblower. This is the first ever espionage conviction. Against a whistleblower in the United States. It is a dangerous precedent. And an example of national security extremism. It is a short-sighted judgment that cannot be tolerated. And it must be reversed.
It can never be that conveying true information to the public is espionage. The government kept Bradley Manning in a cage. Stripped him naked. And isolated him. In order to break him. formally condemned by the United Nations Special Repertoire for Torture. This was never a fair trial. And it has not been a fair trial. Bradley Manning's alleged disclosures have exposed war crimes, sparked revolutions, and induced democratic reform. This is the first ever espionage conviction against a whistleblower in the United States. It can never be that conveying true information to the public is espionage. The government kept Bradley Manning in a cage Stripped him naked and isolated him in order to break him. The government kept Bradley Manning in a cage. Stripped him naked and isolated him in order to break him. This was never a fair trial. And it has not been a fair trial. This was never a fair trial. And it has not been a fair trial. This was never a fair trial. Let's 
sound that sounded like another sound that sounded like up and down there you go keep it going on the flow don't you know
Get to Old Navy now because this week only there's a new red hot deal every single day. Plus up to 50% off store-wide. That's up to 50% off your favorite Old Navy styles. Also get $10 off your next purchase when you buy online and pick up in-store. So hurry in and get today's wow-worthy fashion pieces at a price you won't believe. Only at Old Navy. Valid 712 to 19. Select styles only. $10 off valid in-store only. One-time use. Excludes clearance, gift card, register lane items, jewelry. Get to Old Navy now, because this week only, there's a new red-hot deal every single day. Plus up to 50% off store-wide. That's up to 50% off your favorite Old Navy styles. Also get $10 off your next purchase when you buy online and pick up in-store. So hurry in and get today's wow-worthy fashion pieces at a price you won't believe. Only at Old Navy. Valid 712 to 19. Select styles only. $10 off valid in-store only. One-time use. Excludes clearance, gift card, register lane items, jewelry.